Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today we're going to jump right in the fire. And the one thing that I like about today's show is I don't have a guest. And I get to do all the talking. Actually, first, I like it. I like it. I like it more because it's more of me too. I, oh, that's right. Hey, hey, thing. He is here. <laughs> We're going to get right into the playoffs, man. Let's start with the Boston Celtics and Toronto. Boy, is that one going to be over quick. <laughs> you think? You don't think Toronto saved their ser- the series? And Toronto is done, cooked, stick a fork in them, and all that adjective that you use to get that person out of here or that player or Even that with, team out of here. So you have, you know, OG hitting that huge shot to win the game. It looked like they were about to lose and be down 3-0. Does that not... Playing against teams that have done that or playing four teams that have done that, you know, one in dramatic fashion in a big game, you have to win. Does that do anything for you momentum-wise? You know, you talk about momentum in the playoffs. Does that do anything going into game four, you think? I see that series, and this is even before already they hit that shot last night. I saw that 4-0 at the most, 4-1, and that's what you're going to get. I don't think uh, uh, Lowry, Van, Van Leaf, and um, uh, Siakam, are enough. I think Boston is too deep of a team, too well coached. Not that Nick Nurse is not a good coach, but uh... but but okay. Let's stay on this though. Having been in a situation like that, either playing against or playing for, you hit a big time. You, your team hits a big time shot to win a playoff game. You know, like that. Does that do anything momentum wise? <laughs> no. No. Not for Toronto. No. Is momentum It'd be different if they had Kawhi on that team still? Does momentum carry over game I think to that game? Gives fire to Boston to go ahead and wrap this series up faster. Does momentum carry over game to game or no? Do you think it can, but only not in this situation. See, the bubble doesn't provide you with home court advantage. It's just a gym that everybody's going to play in, the same gym every day. So if this was in Toronto and say they had hit that game in Boston or first, you know, the, the the first game that they played in Toronto, I think it would carry over. But this is not going to carry over. This will be over. I think all it's done is it's going to refocus Boston. And I think uh, Tatum is going to come out and have a bigger game. I think Brown will play big. The whole team will play at another level. And uh, I think for Toronto, it's just saving face of not being swept. Yeah. And I think, by the way, I think the Celtics are very, very – I, I think we're heading for Lakers-Celtics here, Coop. I think well, we're heading for Lakers-Celtics here. You know what? After watching a couple of teams, I think it's going to be ALA team. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be Lakers. It's going to be an LA team. Oh, I, I believe so too. But the Clippers are looking good, and yeah. we'll get to them though later. But again, that Boston Toronto series is uh, over. Milwaukee and the Heat. What an ending that game was. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Did not expect this type of play from the Miami Heat. And again, you got to give a lot of credit to Coach Spolstra who has got this team fired up. A lot of credit goes to Pat Riley for going out and acquiring Jimmy Butler because he's been that that leader that hasn't been disruptive. Usually when you come from another team, you want to be the star. He he has let the stardom ride to him as opposed to just taking it over because that team has so much depth. Uh, they play well together. The Heat, uh, they're extremely well coached. And you know what? They get after you defensively. 
I mean, what does this do to Milwaukee? I mean, this is this is a team that's been so good on the rise. You have a two-time MVP, best player of the league maybe in Antetokounmpo. Like, I mean, they're they could still very well win the series, but it certainly looks like the Heat are even if it's a long series. I think the Heat are still going to win the series. series. Milwaukee's done, and you know oh. what? I never ever want to chastise or criticize or get down on a coach, but this could be a situation where if they get swept in this series. Or this series go if this series doesn't go seven games and it goes like four one I'll even give it four two I think there'll be a coaching change in Milwaukee. Interesting. And you Do can't you, have the best record two years in a row, right. the best player, and keep coming up short in the playoffs. You just can't do that. And I think management will look hard. What's their issue? They just don't have enough secondary scores. I just think that uh, Giannis is definitely the MVP to me in my words, but until he takes his game to the next level and develop a serious, a serious mid-range shot like Kawhi Leonard, like Jimmy Butler, like the superstars, even LeBron, his, his outside game isn't great, but he can knock down that 10, 12 footer to make that defense get up on him. Right now they're just playing a three man zone against him. When he's got the ball at the top of the key, the wing players are shifting in and he can't hit that shot consistently. So me, and again, this is where Coach Foster, if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to beat yeah. me shooting the jumper. And he can't get to the basket, and I think that's going to be a big change. So, yes, they may do a coaching change, but the outcomes every year going to the playoffs won't be different until Giannis takes his game to another level. So what are they doing defensively, Coop? You're the best person to ask this. It's one thing to say you've got to force him to take jump shots. Like, every team in the NBA is trying to do that to, to him. So what are they doing, and what do they have that allows them to be able to be effective in that way? They're sticking to their defensive game plan. They're not changing it, and they're not going or trying to throw tricks in the game. This is what works. We've seen this team play, uh, depending on our record, early during the season, but we definitely saw them, how they struggled a little bit the last playoff game. That's what they're doing, and they're keeping Giannis in transition. And when they get into the half-court set, he's always looking at three defensive players, not two and a half, not one and a half, not he's looking at three defensive players. Good so luck getting to the rim. Right. They're making him pass and kick and they're making other people hit shots. Now the only one that's hitting shots other than Giannis when he's going to the basket is Middleton. He's the only one that's an outside threat, uh, that's hitting consistently on the shot. But them other people on that other wing, you've got to be able to knock down shots. Four one. Four one. Fat lady singing on them. Celtics Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to be Lakers-Celtics, Coop. Lakers-Celtics well, you know like the Finals. And again, Boston and the Heat are two identical teams, the same kind of teams. Boston may have a couple more players deep, but what you get in, in Boston is the same thing you get out of the Heat. Teams that play tough on defense, teams that are going to play well together, don't deviate from the game plan and teams that hit them boards hard. And I think Miami, that's going to be a very good series, I think. Um, you know, I'm not a big Boston person, and uh, I'm not going to try to get on their, their, their gravy train just yet. Do I you want to see Lakers-Celtics? I, mean, I don't want to see a Lakers. You don't want a Lakers? She said, why? It's the greatest. It's such a because great rivalry. Happen. I want to see. Uh, I don't think Boston's going to get by Miami, but it's going to be a, a series worthy to watch. Got to root. It's going to be a series where I won't check out early. <laughs> Got to root for, ball, for Lakers and Celtics. Man, it's a great – when that happens in the NBA Finals, there's nothing better. Actually, I'm kind of tired of that. You know? <laughs>
Did you ever play Boston in the finals? Did you ever play the Celtics I, I in the finals? Saying, yes. Oh, it would be great to have a Laker-Boston Celtics series. I think we can finally put to rest who the best organization is because uh, the Lakers will beat them 4-2, and then it will be on, and LeBron will have his championship. He'll go down as one of the greatest players that's ever played this game, going to three teams and winning championships on each of those teams. And Boston will settle in Beantown like they always have been, and they'll just get back to uh, having Boston baked beans. <laughs> All right, who's next? We got to go west now, huh? Clippers and... Uh... Go west. Uh, Clippers, Denver. I think what you saw last night, you're going to see for three more games, maybe Denver might win one game. Maybe. But you know what? It was such a hard series. Denver had to play against Utah right. to come back. And it's been a while since you've seen the team come back 3-1. That wouldn't have happened in the regular format, but in the bubble. And you don't have to travel. You don't have to go play at their arena, listen to their fans. That's what you can get. And I think you're going to see some other fantastic finishes in this. But I do believe the Clippers are going to beat this team. Denver will muster up where they'll win one, more. They'll win one game. They'll figure out how to win one game in this series. Or what is going to happen is the Clippers will get disinterested and they'll fool around and let Murray get going and Djokovic get going and, and in the same game, and they'll come up with a win. But I see the Clippers – taking this one 4-1. Uh, Paul George has finally looked like he's got his rhythm going, and if that happens, they might sweep them because, again, Kawhi Leonard, and I said this on our last show, I've never seen this young man take a bad shot. It's very rare that he takes a bad shot. Every shot that he takes is his shot where he wants to get to, and he's knocking it down. So with that kind of action going on in the game where he constantly can get 30, possibly 50, and now you got Paul George coming into his own, and the Clippers only the best bench in the league. I see this series over really quick. Is Kawhi a better on-ball defender one-on-one than you than you were? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Kawhi is a good defensive player, and what he has is strength. <laughs> and and um, ridiculously big heads. So he can control you like that. But as far as denying people out, taking them away from their spots, fighting through screens, uh, controlling them. Tough shots, blocking shots. I have to think I'm a little bit better. But, again, today's NBA, he's one of the best. And he's two-time defensive player of the year, so you can't knock him. But, but at the same time, like you obviously were, were a good offensive piece, but so much of you, what you were doing was you're, you're, you're giving your energy on defense, right? I mean, denying those kinds of things. That takes a lot of energy. You can't, can, you be that, can you use that much energy on both sides of the floor? Because Kawhi's got to be the best scorer, too. And that's why I say he's better because right. Kawhi – Split his duties between being right. a damn good right. offense at the other end. I didn't have to do that. I had right. the sky hook, the magic no look pass, the Byron Scott jumper, and uh, James Worthy post up. So I didn't have to concentrate on offense as much. Just hit my shot when it's there. So I really had the luxury of focusing right. my total attention. Ninety-five percent of my time is on what am I going to do defensively. That's what makes Kawhi even that much better of a defensive player because he has to split close to like fifty. 50-50, if not 55-45 right. on that offensive end, and he still comes out on the defensive end and does his job. Yeah, he's good. Now, the next series, which is one that, like, that's real close to my heart, and I really love it. Like, I feel this one all the way in my bones, and I feel it running through me. The Lakers-Houston. This team may cause the Lakers some problems simply for the fact is they shoot an abundance, uh, what, almost 63s a game. And that's, I mean, that's unheard of, especially back in our era. We're going to talk about that a little later, back in, in the 80s. Three-point shot was, uh, it was a specialty shot. 
now it's part of the game. And this team has used it to, wow, be probably one of the best feared three-point shooting teams. Now, they don't shoot a high percentage. I think it might even be 38, 37, which is pretty good for their. But you can't, other than the Golden State Warriors, you can't win a championship shooting threes. And, you know, then with them playing small ball, it's going to be very difficult because if they're not hitting shots, it's one and done. And the Lakers and AD going to really show you what they're all about this series here. You know, and James Harden is such an interesting player because, you know, every year in the biggest moments of the playoffs, he crumbles. And, you know, you look at the series overall, the, the Rockets win over Oklahoma City. He averaged 31 points a game in that series. That's a really good number. <laughs> That's a, like, see, it's hard to say he had a bad series. But then he goes one of nine from three in game seven. He disappears at the end of game six. And he did have the block to, to seal the victory at the end of the game, you know, against Oklahoma City in game seven. But it's just, it's the same. It's like every time in the biggest moments, he might average 31 points a game in the series. But the biggest moments, if this series goes deep, at the biggest moments, James Harden just disappears. He's nowhere to be found. All right, there's an old saying that we used to say in our neighborhood, pressure bust pipes. And I think when you're just that type of player, and James is a good one, but not saying that he's not. Like you said, he's averaged 31 points. But the sign of greatness, is com- it comes out when the team needs it the most. Yep. And that's why you got to really, really tip your hat to Chris Paul. Chris Paul took an OKC team that was just average and probably was a team that had what I think it, I think they said it was a nineteen percent chance of making just making the playoffs. I think it was less. It was like four percent. It was like yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And he wills. And he was. You know what? If this was Chris Paul of old, say let's say five years ago, OKC would have won that game yeah. or that series. I think but you're again, right. This is Chris Paul who's working with a lot of young players who's working with a coach that's still kind of new to, to uh, Billy Donovan is still a new coach to all of this uh, coaching NBA players and, and trying to get them to play well and coaching under playoff situations. They did a tremendously good job. And you know what? I, I Like I said, I tip my hat to him. But again, going back to James Harden, that's when you're supposed to have that killer instinct that Kawhi has, that Michael Jordan, that Kobe, the great ones have, to where when it's winning time, I want the ball in my hand. And, yeah, there's a thing called team ball, but who can do it better? And that's one of the things uh, Kobe used to say. I, I'm not a better. Are you a better, Ari? I'm not uh, a better. I'm a bad. And sometimes. I've never really been a gambler. A little yeah. bit. Sometimes, yeah. I don't know. But you know what? Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds, up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses for you. Bet online, your online wagering experts i'll bet with your money coop what i'll bet with your i'll, bet, I'll do some sports gambling with your money no 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 no, no. I, that's <laughs> what i do I, when i used to go up to vegas and we played blackjack i mean uh, uh craps and i would take like 500 300 and i was actually pretty good at that once i won i put my money in my pocket and then i played with their money and once if i lost for some reason okay i'm going to your buddy the wait is finally over football is back you might not be in a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and win totals to team players and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opener bonuses today and start off wagering on win totals, divisions, and championship futures today. 
head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And that's one of the things uh, uh, Kobe used to say. If I pass you the ball and you don't hit the shot, I can do that. <laughs> I can miss, but I feel that I'm going to make it. So that's where James Harden got to get selfish sometimes. They like to play, uh, was it the fifth game uh, where, or the sixth game where Harden came down and threw the ball out of bounds? That's, no, that should never have happened. That ball right. should have been in my hands the whole time. And that's where, again, Westbrook is a very good player himself, but I'm the winner. This is my team. You're coming to my team now. Not unlike before where you were, oh, you were the man in OKC and I'm coming to join. No, this is my team. And, again, I think that's where winners really come out and, and the cream rises to the top at that time. Mm. But I don't see the Lakers losing this series. I think this series will go as long as the Lakers will make it difficult. If the Lakers want this to be over in four, they'll buckle down on their defense. They'll out-rebound this team. They will get out there and contest threes and get this season, this series over. If you want to mess around for one game, it'll be 4-1. If they want to mess around, it'll be 4-2. But the Lakers will win this series. Are you at all worried about the Lakers' defense, their defensive issues in this series? Because that's obviously the one issue with the Lakers, seemingly. Is they're, they're not a great and consistent defensive team. Well, you know what? I thought they showed me something in the last series is that they I thought they did a very, very good job uh, defensively the last series they played in order to get to this position. So for me, I'm not worried about that. You know, the Lakers have AD, they have uh, LBJ, LeBron James, and the other person right. that, that's rearing his head is KCP. I love the fact the way he played the last series and played tough defense, and that's what they're going to need. The rest of them kids shoot threes, and you're going to have to get out there on that three-point line and defend, and I don't think AD will have the luxury of getting in that lane and coming to block shots because this team is built for a drive and kick. And if, you, if your defense gets sucked in there, then you're going to, it's going to be a, a tough night for you. It's almost going to have to be to where the two-point has to be what you give them. You can't take both away from them. So what are we going to do? Okay, if they score two, we can go down and match that. The Lakers can't match – uh, Houston's ability to score three. So you may have to give up that layup and stay home on that shooter out there on the perimeter. So you, you don't think any of these – you think the semis are going to be a breeze. That master class lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by the masters. You know what? I tried the Steph Curry master class program, and I let my son watch it, and I kind of went through it. What an awesome uh, – uh, episode that we got a chance. Steph teaches you all the weird things you do, like dribbling with a basketball, throwing a tennis ball in the air. I didn't know you could do that, but again, if that makes your ball handling, I always dribble two basketballs, but he did that too. Um, Masterclass is an app accessible on your phone, web, or Apple TV that offers classes of a wide variety of topics. I'm a cook, so I'm going to go on there and look at some of their cooking classes, but the other class I looked at was Herbie Hancock. One of the greatest pianists that's ever played. Herbie has some classes on there. And whenever I get this, these two fingers together, kind of work with my other ones, if I can get these two to work like that, I'd be a great pianist, I believe, because my hands are big. Uh, but Herbie has some great classes on there. You can do that. And because I don't move around too much right now, and I'm more of a couch potato, but I did used to play tennis. And when I want to get my backhand together, I'm going to go on and look at Serena Williams' class because I know she got a backhand. That one that fires down the line, the classes that they teach there, it's 
such fun looking at these pros teach other people and giving back. Master class. Get it? Got it? Good. So you, you don't think any of these – you think the semis are going to be a breeze. Oh. I mean, you've got every series – I mean, you, and so you had this one. You had the Lakers winning the series in five? Yeah. Yeah, five if not 4-0. Oh. All right. If Lakers, and, five if not Lakers either sweeping right. or yeah. five. Yeah. You've got the Clippers winning in five. Yes, sir. Or, or sweeping. You've got the Celtics winning in five. Yes, uh, sir. The uh, Heat winning in five or four. So it, yes, you no close series here. None right now. I think this everything gets really good. The playoffs start when you get to the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. That's when you're gonna see some really good basketball, and it'll be determined then. But again, these are just odd times. At simply for the fact is there's no travel. There's no home court advantage. There's no – those are the two biggest things that teams right. usually have, is that you play in your home arena where you got 18,000 people yelling for you. Then you got to travel at some point in time to go to the other – all that's out of the mix. That's why, that's why these games are the way they are, because the better teams are, are winning, because that's what they're supposed to do. But it's, it's funny, though, even with that, we're probably still going to get the best teams – you know, like even with that, there, there's not going to be major upsets. We're still going to get L.A. versus L.A. And we're still going to get, I mean, maybe you could say the Heat if they, and I think that's going to be a longer series. I agree with you with the other ones. You know, I, I, I definitely think that'll go at least six or seven. I do see the Heat winning, though, and I think you bring up great points about how, you know, how easy the Bucks can be to defend if you have the right personnel. Um, but, I mean, it's crazy because it is so different, and there are so many factors that normally factor into the outcome of series in the playoffs. But yet, at the same time, it's like, but it won't lead to an upset or anything. It shouldn't. I mean, you could say that if they, if the Heat, if the Heat is the one upset there, the Heat, if if they were playing the Bucks, you know, on a in, in a normal series going tra- with travel, you could still see that upset. So it's kind of interesting how there's all these things that are different, and yet it seems like it won't impact the outcome of the season in many ways because the teams that we expected to be there are still going to be there. You're not going to get an upset. I think all four teams that get to the Eastern Conference, the two that get to the Eastern two right. are going to be the best teams. And that's what has happened. In the bubble, the best teams are winning. And again, Milwaukee, what, 58 games, 59 games they won or whatever it was. Right, like right. 60, you know, that doesn't mean anything because they weren't a good team all season. And that's being shown right now. So uh, teams that play defense and teams that play well together are the four teams that you're looking at. And I think that's what you're going to see in the, in the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. Yep, yep. And, and I think it's consistent with what you'd see in a normal season, too, because defense always travels. We know that. Defense wins the playoffs. And, you know, yep. it might not be a huge factor in the regular season. But in the playoffs, you've got def- you to defend and you got to, I mean, obviously play as a team. Um, you can't have solo teams. I mean, the Bucks are a great example of this. They won a bunch of games because they had guys that got hot during the regular season that are not showing up here much. In, in the postseason, and, and you're also getting situations where you're playing a lot of games against bad teams that just can't, don't have the personnel to defend a guy like Antetokounmpo, that, that they can't keep him from getting to the rim when he wants to. So, yeah, it, it's, it's defense, half-court offense plays such a more crucial role in winning in the playoffs, and that, you know, that doesn't matter who travels. It's, it's, you're, you're not going to be able to get out and run and transition a ton you know, in the playoffs as much as you would in the regular season, and that happens a ton in the regular season, the, the transition exactly. basketball. And you know what, Ari, another thing that we haven't really discussed, but as I've been watching this, is very true. The officiating has been pretty consistent. Mm. And see, that becomes inconsistent when you get an officiating crew, say the first game at your home, okay, you play, 
and then you catch that same crew maybe the third or fourth game at their place, and the crowd is yelling at them. Totally. I think the officiating is going. But right now, the officiating is pretty consistent. These games are wild and woolly, man. And it almost reminds us of a throwback to the 80s because the officials are letting these guys play. The Denver-Utah series, that last two minutes of the game were knockdown, play, go to the basket, no call, go to the other end, no call, and just wild and woolly. OKC and Houston, the last two minutes of that game was just crazy. So the officials are letting them play basketball, and they're letting the teams determine who wins the game, which is a great transition to our, my next subject here. Showtime error versus today's game. Okay. And uh, Showtime, you're seeing a little bit of that now, but I think the difference between today's game and the Showtime game are five things. All right, I like this. One, one team play. All teams played well together in the Showtime, in, in the 80 era. Uh, you had Boston, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, Price and Nance. You had... Uh, uh, Phoenix, with Larry Nance is in Phoenix with the late Dennis Johnson and Danny Ainge down in Phoenix. You had teams that ran good plays. Now, in today's game, it's one-on-one. Go to the ball and you watch somebody dribble around. If he doesn't have it, he'll take a couple dribbles and then dribble hands off or pass it to you, and then you got to make a play. Back then, we ran plays, cross picks, down picks, back picks. You ran a play to get the, your best player the ball and the position he likes it in, and then one-on-one play took over. I think you're right. The modern game, certainly, and it's all pick-and-roll oriented. I mean, it's it's basically just two guys. It's a two-man game, pick-and-roll, and, I mean, that's what the Lakers are doing with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis, which makes sense. So you guys, that that wasn't the type of style you played with? Like, you played at every offensive possession, got everybody involved ever, all the time? Or not every, but, yeah, I mean, most offensive positions got all five players involved? We had Pat Riley, and we had probably... 40 plays, A.T., and of those 40 plays, each position had five more plays. So if we wanted the sky hook like you got behind me, that our call for that was fist up. And out of that same play, we had fist down to where if Kareem didn't get it, then we went to James Worthy or whoever set the cross pick on a down pick. So everybody at, at – I, I would say 80% of the time when we came down to run a play, if not five people – for sure, four people touched the ball mm-hmm. before the ball went into where it was supposed to go. It was a pass here, go pick, get the pass back, throw it there, and then into Kareem. So today's game, at times it looks like they're playing team ball, but what happens is whoever's guarding that pick and roll, they guard it so well, okay, well, we don't have that option. Let's throw it here and let's see what happens to pick and roll over there. So sometimes it's either one or two players touching it, and in a lot of cases, and probably about 40 50% of the time, only one place that James Harden has the ball, dribble between his legs, go to the basket, score. James Harden dribble between his legs, step back, jump shot. And that happens too much in the game, and I think yeah. that's what throws the game off. But that's the luxury of what you're seeing today is Boston, Miami, Lakers, Clippers are moving the ball around. Yes, it's a pick and roll real quick, but there are other things going and other people are touching the ball. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, it, it kind of speaks to the importance of playing that style of ball. and. Yep. You know, it, it's Russell Westbrook is such a great player, but he is an offensive ecosystem unto himself. Like you can't you can't devise a scheme off of him or plays because he's just like a whirling dervish of craziness. You know, so like guys like that have to be one on one, and that's just not how you're going to win in the game because, and that doesn't matter what area you talk about, you can't play that style and win. And I'm sure 
teams did a lot less back in the Showtime era days. No, they weren't going to win back then because our defenses were too good. Next thing. All right, number two. Number two, roles were defined. Guys on the team, when you came off the bench, if I got into the game and I know I was supposed to throw the ball into cream, I don't care how open I was, I just didn't jack up a shot. Three-pointer. I mean, you see that with Houston all the time. Right. Guys just come into the game, and just because they find themselves with the ball, they jack up a shot. So that makes to me ugly basketball, and it's that inconsistent basketball. So for me, our roles were defined. Coop, you came in. My job was to play defense, run the lanes when I got an opportunity. Third was to help rebound. Fourth was to help us help ball handling with magic. So when magic got tired, it came out of me, then I would bring it up, and that was my job. And I did my job to the best of my abilities, and it didn't matter if you were a scorer. Kareem, if you were a scorer, there were still other things that you had to do. And I think that that's a lost art now with coaches. Roles aren't being defined. Everybody thinks they're a scorer. Uh, it's like somebody always used to, Bob McAdoo always used to say, there's a reason why you're open. There's a reason. <laughs> Boy, you can't shoot or scared to shoot. There's a reason why you're open. So I think guys now, roles aren't defined uh, enough to make, to make it for where it's good basketball. It's so much ego too, right? Like you, you have to, in that case, you know, you know your role, and you're like, some guys are like, I want to be a 30-point scorer. Like you, have, you have to know my role on this team is what it is and that it needs to be that for this team to be successful. You have, I mean, and that, that, it comes down to ego. Are you willing to... to, to to put your ego to the side and say, I'm going to do what's best for this team. Sacrifice, baby. You got to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. People don't remember this about me. When I went to junior college, all right, after high school, I went two years of junior college. In my junior college, in my sophomore year, I averaged 27 points a game. Wow. Five dunks a game. So when I go to New Mexico, they brought me there, and the coach said, hey, Coop, listen, we got this guy named Marvin Johnson. Marvin was averaging 41 in junior college. Yeah. Uh, in in the Miami in Florida, he, uh, Pensacola Junior College, Marvin was averaging 41 points a game. So when he came here, he was like, "Coop, listen, this guy can shoot." So I said, "Okay, coach, what do you need me to do?" Well, Coop, you know what? Got to play, play defense a little bit more. Let's get him the shots more. So I became more of an assist man there, sacrifice for the team, and we went on to do some good things. We should have won, but that's a that's another story. We're talking about colleges of uh, things that should have happened that didn't. Uh, so when I got to the pros with the Lakers, uh, Coach McKinney sat me down and Jerry West, and they go, Coop, listen, I need somebody that can play defense. I got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the sky hook, unblockable shot. We have Norm Nixon. Norm at that time when I got there was averaging about 19, 20 a game. And then we had Jamal Wilkes, who was averaging come from uh, the Golden State Warriors who had won a championship. Jamal's on the team. Jamal's averaging like 24, 25. And enough shots for everybody. So you got to find your niche. And your niche for me is going to be playing defense, and that's how my role was defined, and I kind of stuck with it. Now, there were times that I got a chance to play out of my role. Right. There was a couple of games when Magic went down five games in the 1983-84 uh, season. I averaged 27 points a game. I had a high game against the Portland Trailblazers, and Michael Thompson, one of our guests, he was on that Trailblazers team, actually dumped on him in the game. <laughs> Well, did you have a, a good offensive game in, in that decisive uh, finals game without Kareem? With, yeah, uh, 17 points. Yeah. 17 points, the final game. 17 and, points. So, and Jamal Wilkes had a huge game in that game, too. 
37. Yeah. People forget about that. So it's about roles being defined, yeah. okay, which leads me to the next thing, which is our, my third thing. Team plays number one, roles defined number two, and number three, shot selection. In the 80s, teams did a better job of shot selection. Now, there was times when the oh shot clock was running down, and you might get the ball, you got to throw it up there and take it back. But I have never seen as many bad shots as I have in the NBA today. What do you consider a bad shot? Which I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's not your shot. <laughs> but like <laughs> being defended, you know, a three, uh, you know, a, 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 a you know, good hand, somebody that's on you on a three from the three point line. Like, what would you classify as a bad shot? Okay, a bad shot to me is if you're shooting twenty two percent, seventeen percent from the three point line, and you're wide open and you take a shot. That's a bad shot. It's a bad <laughs> shot, man. And that to me is a bad shot. And you see that all the time. Watch this Houston team. Watch them tonight when they play the Lakers. Watch how many bad shots that team. That team will take at least 10 to 15 bad shots. When it's not your shot, uh, go to the basket, and you see some person that you can throw the ball off to, and you try to shoot it because you're close to that. That's a bad shot. Okay, so to me, shot selection is important, and that's what's missing. But in the 80s, rarely did you take bad shots in the 80s. Do you think uh, Greg Kite with the Celtics back then, who comes off the bench, and he got the ball, and he's at the free throw line, and Larry Bird is standing at the three-point line. Do you think Greg Kite would take that shot because he's open? Hell no. He's passing to Larry. They got Larry has two people on him. <laughs> Larry takes the shot. That, that's the that's better shot. shot. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Bad shots, okay? My fourth one, team chemistry was so much better back then. I think players played within the program. Uh, you got along with one another. You may not have liked that person. I'm pretty sure Cedric Maxwell wasn't liked by all the Celtics, but you know what? They got along with him because he was good at what he did. But, again, there are situations where chemistry is so important to basketball, especially or any team sport that you play, but especially in basketball, that chemistry has to be going. That chemistry is off. You'll be a good team, but you won't be a championship team. So on this, we're going to talk to Isaiah Thomas next week. And Isaiah Thomas, I always go back to this. He, he taught in the book of basketball, the whole premise of that book written by Bill Simmons, that he, Isaiah tells Bill Simmons this. He says, you want to know the secret to basketball? It's like, yeah, okay. So the whole premise of the book of basketball is from Isaiah Thomas's quote where he says, the secret to basketball has nothing to do with basketball. It's everything else. It's the plane rides. It's the dinners. It's the restaurant. I mean, you are with your team more than your family, more than anybody else. And it is, I think you're one, like, people always equate team chemistry to always getting along. No, you're going to fight with your family. You, you're, yeah. you're, so it's the same thing, but it's, it's that respect. It's that camaraderie. It's that love. You might hate that person at times or even hate that person overall, but it, it's understanding your role in the common goal. And I mean, I, I, I think it's from, from a fan's perspective, so many fans overlook the importance of stuff like that. And, and I've covered championship teams and I've seen that, that dynamic of chemistry. Without a doubt, without a doubt, it's the most important factor. And of course, Isaiah says it. We'll talk to him about that next week. We have him on. Same deal, though. It's just, it's it's not basketball. It's everything else. It's everything you it don't is. see off the floor. It's, it's the glue that keeps the team together to win a championship or to have a successful season. Uh, if that breaks down somewhere in the process of the season, then you won't have a championship season, or you'll have a bad season. But right. but chemistry. Is very, very important and well said, AT. Last but not least is the three-point line. And, again, back when we played in the 80s, that three-point line was a man's shot. Now it's a little boy shot. Well, no, it's not a little boy shot. It's, it's a it's – a, uh, It's everybody's shot. It's, it's a, yeah, it's everybody's shot. So 
<laughs> my son shoots NBA threes, and he's only 15 years old. That's what, that, so, that's what the kids are doing. I mean, it's exactly. like Steph Curry. It's like you walk but, on the floor, shoot threes. But when we played that three-point shot, you had to put some on it. That was not a jump shot back then. And, again, it, it, but that's how the game, and, again, they wanted the game to be a faster-paced game, more points scored. But, again, those are the difference in the Showtime era. Mm. In today's game, it's athleticism. It's one-on-one play. It's no true center, no true point guard. And I do believe you're going to see soon, like they have in the big three, you're going to see a four-point shot because that three-point line is a joke now. So you know what? With Damian Lillard, just one, two dribbles past half court, you got to give him an extra shot for that. That's a heck of a shot out there. And he's not banking that thing in or rallying in. That's a dart that's going in there. So – uh, those are the four things I think in today's game that are beneficial and has really changed the game of basketball to uh, the modern day player. Yeah, no, well said. Um, and the no true point guard thing is so interesting because we talked about that. Remember, we were going through yeah. with with Michael Thompson, and I was like, well, Ka- Kawhi Leonard initiates the offense. He's kind of a point guard, and I mean, you know, you're 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 100 correct. The best now, especially down the stretch of games. You know, closing moments, couple of last couple of offensive possessions in the playoffs. It's offense is always being initiated by the best player. It's not the point guard. It's 100% the, the team's best player, regardless of the position that they play. Shit. All right. Jokic Yoke, from Denver is bringing the ball up to the floor. That's not bringing the ball up. All the guards are yeah. down to the end. So, I mean, that, that, that's the day. You would never see that in the 80s. You would see Robert Parrish bring the ball up to the floor. <laughs> Or Kevin McHale Kareem. Kareem wanted to. He acted like a guard every now and then. He, and imagine like, Cap, come on now. Get real. Get up on your back. So I think those uh, things are uh, yeah. some of the, the, the pluses and minus of today's game back in the Showtime era. And one last ingredient to kind of like put, wrap that all up. I think coaching styles are different. Back in the 80s, coaches that paid attention to the offense, ran plays for that certain player, as opposed to players now, coaches, if you look at almost every NBA team, they run the same thing. Coach Fostra, Mike Malone, Nick Nurse, they all those teams run the same thing, and it's just working it to, to the best available players that you have out there on the floor. And I think that's the difference between coaches back then. Mm-hmm. I don't think these guys – well, I do. I won't say that. Um, but I, I, I think they so caught up into team play and making sure there's continuity going on that every now and then you you miss a, a mismatch or a matchup that should be in your favor because in the process of trying to run that pick and roll and get movement going, that's when teams are switching now because as, as we just talked about, all teams run the same offense. Well, what do they do on defense? They run the same defense. They switch everything because mm-hmm. there's no true center, so you're not worried about your point guard getting called on the big because the big is only 6'3", and point guards now are 6'2", six, 6'3", six, themselves. So coaching styles have changed from back in the day to what you have today's players. 